0: A strong wind, a powerful sermon, and changed hearts.
1: Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible, Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. It's so good to sit together and open our Bibles and learn something in this episode from the book of Acts. David, there are certain days that change history. I Think about our wedding day. We were two single people and after one day, we became husband and wife. We were a couple.
0: Yeah, everything changed, didn't it?
1: (laughs) It did. And the same way when we had our first child, we thought we were busy before that, but turns out you can get busier. Everything changed when we had a baby. We were a family. Yeah. There are just certain times where one significant event changes everything. And I feel that this is happening as we open the book of Acts.
0: Yeah, here everything changes. So our conversation today is in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, through Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And this text is too long for us to read in this episode of Bible Glitter and Glue. So I suggest. You pause it and then read the text and come back and listen to the episode. But before you do, Mary, it may be good to outline it first.
1: Okay, then we can read in sections. I try to simplify. We could say it in three points. The first one is chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. In those verses, it is the replacement of Judas with a new apostle. And then we get into chapter 2. So chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, the Spirit comes and rests upon the apostles. And the third point is chapter 2, verses 14 through 41. And that's Peter's sermon and the response of the people. So we've got three points when you go away to read. We've got the replacement of Judas. And then we've got the Spirit arriving. And finally, we have the sermon and the response.
0: Just prior to our text today, Jesus tells the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they receive power from on high. And then he ascends to the Father in order to take his place beside the Father on the throne in order to rule. And so the disciples do exactly that. They go back to Jerusalem, Peter stands up. There's a group of 120 of them including Mary, his mother, and some of his brothers. And Peter says, we need to choose one to take the place of Judas. Because you remember, Judas took his own life, and so there was 11. But there needed to be 12.
1: And to- what is the significance of 12, David? Why couldn't 11 apostles just go on and, and do what needed to be done?
0: Because 12 is, has symbolic significance. It's the number of God's people. And in the Old Testament, God promised to renew his people, to restore his people, to give his people new life, new hope. And Jesus chose 12 apostles or 12 disciples that he designated as apostles.
1: He chose 12 tribes. There were 12 tribes in the Old Testament. 12 always been a significant number.
0: That's right. Yeah. Number for God's people. So here is the nucleus of God's new people, God's renewed people. And so there has to be 12, and so Peter instructs the group on what they need to do in order to choose someone for them to put some names forward and for God to actually make the choice in the end of who is going to take Judas' place. And I think it's significant that he lists qualifications for someone who is to be an apostle. They had to be with Jesus from the very beginning, that is, at his baptism and during the days of John the Baptist's ministry all the way up to his ascension. And they had to be witnesses of his resurrection as well. And that would qualify them to be an apostle.
1: In the 120 people that were there, two names came forward as people who could replace Judas. One was Barsabbas and the other was Matthias. They cast lots. They kind of leave this to God's will. And the one that was chosen was Matthias. Now there are 12 apostles. So what's next, David? The most significant thing starts in Acts chapter 2. Something's about to happen.
0: Right. It says in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So this happened on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was one of the great festivals of the Jewish people. And it was called Pentecost from... Penta, which is 50, 50 days after the Passover. And this is a great time of celebration because this was the celebration of the first fruits of the barley and wheat harvest. And so it was a day when the farmers would bring in the first fruits of their wheat and barley crops, and they offered them to God you know, partly in gratitude for God's blessing and also partly as a prayer that they will have a bountiful harvest. And Jews came from all over the world to participate and to celebrate in Pentecost. And there's another significant thing about Pentecost. If you go back to the Old Testament and the Exodus, this was a long time before this event in Acts chapter 2, back during the time of the Exodus, about 1,200 years earlier, uh, when Israel was freed from Egyptian slavery after the celebration of Passover, they came to Sinai, and there's a Jewish Tradition developed later on that this was about 50 days after Passover, and so Pentecost was also remembered as the day that God gave the law on Mount Sinai.
1: Oh, that was another significant day, wasn't it? A day when things changed, when the law was given.
0: Right, and I think if Luke is drawing on this tradition, then he's saying that here God is giving his new law to his new people. They were there, and suddenly a noise came from heaven, and Luke tells us it sounded like a strong wind blowing. Um, The noise filled the house, the whole house, that is the temple area where they were sitting. And they saw something that looked like flames of fire. And the flames were separated and stood over each person there. Then they were filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak different languages. And Luke tells us the Holy Spirit was giving them the power to speak these languages some very significant and unusual things going on on this Pentecost.
1: Right. So these 12 men, these apostles, have a very important role that Jesus had given them, and now the Spirit rests upon them and will give them power. But I find it really significant how the Spirit is described. How do you describe a spirit? I think back to Jesus when he was baptized, and the writer says that the spirit descended upon him as a dove. So it's like a dove. I remember when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and he said, the spirit is like the wind. You don't know where he comes from or where he goes. So all of these, like a dove, like the wind, like fire. These are just attempts to describe the spirit of God.
0: When the spirit of God is present, there is an experience of the spirit. This wind, the sound as of a mighty wind. It wasn't a strong wind, but it's a sound of a mighty wind. And these Flames of fire are all metaphors for the spirit, as you mentioned, that trying to describe something that can't be really described. Wind and spirit is the same word in the Greek, and it can be translated as spirit or it can be translated wind. I think Luke is also implying here that this spirit, this wind, this wind blowing. Reminds us of, of, of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, where it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, or the wind of God was hovering over the waters. And that begins the creation week when God created everything. And so he's like this is new creation because the Spirit, when the Spirit is present, there is new creation. And there's other Old Testament prophetic texts that talk about the Spirit, the Spirit imparting new life like in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 9-14, where God's people are promised to be given new life. And there's also the fire, and the fire is also reminiscent of the pillar of cloud that led the people of Israel in the wilderness after the Exodus. It guided them, but also it was a reminder of God's presence among them. The coming of the Spirit on Pentecost is the coming of God's presence and God's promised new life. This is all what was being experienced. This is the fulfillment of prophetic scripture, of God's redemptive purposes.
1: And this new power upon men who had been with Jesus, who had followed Jesus, but had not seemed this strong and powerful before. These were men that were not particularly educated. You you have Peter, who seemed to make a lot of mistakes in what he said and how he said it. Over and over, and yet something's different now. These men are speaking, and not just speaking anything, they are speaking in languages different from their own. And people noticed because the crowd was mixed, there were Jews here from all over the world, and they came and they could hear these men speaking in their languages. Isn't
0: that amazing!
1: It is.
0: What do these men learn these languages?
1: Well, there were many that were impressed that day by all of the languages being spoken. But then, of course, there were the scoffers, those that weren't sure this was real. They were making fun of the apostles. Some even said they were drunk. So many times in the past, Peter has said the wrong thing. But today is different. Today is significant. Peter stands up in front of this crowd and begins to preach. He starts out explaining, no, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. These men are not drunk. He goes on to say what a significant event this is. And here is this uneducated fisherman through the power of the Holy Spirit preaching a gospel sermon There were people there from all of these different places, speaking and hearing in all these different languages. And Peter goes on to quote from the prophet Joel and talking about how the Spirit is available to everyone. He talks about all kinds of people, sons, daughters, old men, young men, servants, men, women, And in verse 20, it says, And then the great and glorious day of the Lord will come. Then anyone who asks the Lord for help will be saved. Today is that day.
0: doesn't matter who you are. God wants to rescue you. God wants to bring you in to be part of his people.
1: And here are the 12 speaking these truths. On this day, the day of Pentecost, a new beginning. Peter goes on in his sermon to explain more, because the people here would have been talking about Jesus, Jesus, that one who claimed to be a king and was crucified. So Peter is going to address that.
0: He gets right to that point after quoting Joel to uh, demonstrate that this is fulfillment of prophecy this is happening now this god's promise of the spirit available to all new life new hope and it's come through jesus he starts right in on jesus and saying that you know this they knew about jesus or many of them there did because this is in jerusalem he says you are witnesses of what jesus was doing you know that he was a man approved by god
1: he quotes these Old Testament passages. He brings in King David, and all of this is backing up Jesus.
0: Right. So they have their own personal experience with Jesus and witnessing his miracles as evidence that he's a man approved from God. We have the Old Testament scripture of David prophesying about Jesus. And then Peter gets right to his main point. Very quickly, and spends most of his sermon actually talking about the resurrection of Jesus. This is what brings it all home, is the resurrection of Jesus. He quotes the scripture that Jesus is the son of David that was promised, that he is this Messiah that was promised. He is what they've been looking for and praying for and waiting for. He is this one because he has been raised from the dead.
1: All of this excitement in his sermon is building, 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 Jesus, Jesus, all of these things. And then Peter hits them with that convicting thought, all of these things about Jesus. And then he says, he is the man you nailed to the cross. I bet everything was silent at that point.
0: Yeah. But God vindicated Jesus by raising him from the dead. So they were responsible for his death, but he couldn't stay in the grave. So God raised him from the dead. His resurrection from the dead is his vindication that he is this true King of Israel. The very end of the sermon in verse 36, Peter says, therefore, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Messiah. He is the true king.
1: All of those people would not have been at the cross. Those people did not actually drive those nails into Jesus and hang him on that cross. When he said, you nailed him to the cross, all of you, David, I get the feeling that's talking about me, too. I could hear that same thing. All of my sins nailed Jesus to the cross.
0: It brings it home, doesn't it?
1: It really does. Yeah. And that's the convicting. You can say all of these things about Jesus, but he died for our sins. Right. The conviction that these people felt, these people on this day felt, is the same conviction I think all of us feel when we are confronted with all that is Jesus. And then we hear that he died on the cross because of us. Because of me. And I think I want to say, just like these people said that day, what am I going to do? What do I do about this?
0: Yeah, I think the uh, International Children's Version has the phrase, they were sick at heart. And the original, it's a lot stronger than that. They were cut to the heart. It's like they were stabbed in the heart. It really hit home. That leaves you in a very hopeless situation. Because they say, what can we do? What should we do? What a great question. What can we do? They wanted to do something about it. They didn't want to stay in that situation, that situation of hopelessness. This question is evidence of their humility, their willingness to do what was right. Peter answered their question. And he talked about there's a part that you have to play in this, and there's a part that God has to play in this. And if they do their part, God will do his part. And so what is their part? Peter said, repent and be baptized, all of you. In the name of Jesus, they needed to turn their life around. They needed to start living God's way to be God's people. And they need to get themselves baptized or immersed into Christ. That's their part. And then God's part, He says, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. So their part is to repent and be baptized, and God will forgive their sins and will give them the Spirit. And they can become part of God's new people filled with new life, given new hope, new purpose. And so 3,000 people responded to this message, and they were baptized and experienced new life and new hope and renewal as God's people.
1: I love it, David, in verse 39, when we talk about the promise of the Spirit, remember earlier Peter quoted Joel and talked about all the different people, but the Spirit is even for the future. Because it says, it is also for your children and for all who are far away. It is for everyone the Lord our God calls to himself. The Spirit is not just for the twelve. The Spirit gives power to the twelve apostles in a particular way so that they can share this good news with everyone. But the Spirit is also here for individuals. And the Spirit changes everything. Everything is different after the Spirit. David, we've talked about so much in this passage, because there's a lot. What would you do in an adult class?
0: There's a short clip on YouTube entitled, Why is Pentecost Significant Today? It's just a few minutes, and a person from Christianity.com just talks about the significance of Pentecost. I think it's worth a listen. You can include that a little short video clip in your class to let people listen to, and I'll put the, the, side, the YouTube clip in the show notes. So that's one thing that you can include in your class. And then there's some good discussion questions, I think, that can be had. One I suggest is that you read the sermon of Peter, verses 14 through verse 36, and then you have a discussion on the following questions, like what Old Testament text does Peter quote from? And why would Peter use so many quotes to this audience? And another question from this is, from Peter's sermon, "What facts about Jesus would be key for non-believers to understand?" And just use the material in Acts 2:14 through 36 to answer that question, and have a discussion about it. And then the last question on this is, what is significant about Peter's climatic conclusion in verse 36? And what implications do you see in this verse? So that's Peter's sermon. And there's some other questions I think that would be more personal questions that I think would be helpful in an adult class. And so using verse 37 and verse 36, describe what one must do to become a follower of Jesus. You know, because they ask the question, what must we do? So describe what one must do to become a follower of Jesus. And then reflecting on your baptism, tell the class why you were baptized and what you were feeling at that time. And if you would, include the events that led you to decide to be baptized. And then how would you encourage others to be baptized based on your baptism? So those are some, I think, good discussion questions from the text and some personal questions. Questions too that can maybe encourage someone else. Yeah. And while we're on this, I don't know who is listening to this episode of Bible Glitter and Glue, but have you become a follower of Jesus? Have you been baptized? And if you haven't, I would encourage you to talk to people or read your Bible about baptism, just this text, and there's other text And you can also email Mary at org, and one of us will be happy to answer your question. Those are some teaching tips for adults. What about in a children's class? There's a lot here.
1: (laughs) There really is. And I think this is a good time to pause and remind ourselves as teachers that we don't have to say everything in one lesson when we teach it. What we've talked about today could easily be divided over a few weeks, a few different lessons. You might want to talk about the choosing of Matthias in one lesson. You could have a whole lesson about the Holy Spirit and what that means. The sermon, Peter's sermon, that could be a lesson on its own. And the response of the people, all of these are important, but if you try to tell them all the... Chances of a child remembering all of that are very slim, so it's better to cover a few things in the lesson. But I've got a few ideas, craft ideas. You could do something with like a wind sock, wind chimes, even streamers taped on a stick. This idea of the spirit and the wind, the wind in Acts 2. Another craft, you could actually have the children write out Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They can write that verse out and then wrap it up as a gift, and they can give that to someone as a verse. I have this idea of a way to tell the story using food, so let's see how this sounds to you. I think it would be a lot of fun to bring 12 cupcakes to class and set those on the table.
0: So far, it sounds good.
1: Yeah. And then as I talk about Judas, I would take one cupcake away, and we only have 11 left. I would get some – now, we call them in New Zealand hundreds and thousands, but sprinkles, the little colorful sprinkles, I'd put a few of those on each cupcake so that we'd represent 120 of the people that were there with the apostles, 120 believers. And as I continued to tell the story, I'd get little candles, and I'd put one on each of the 12 cupcakes, and we'd light those when we talk about the Spirit came upon the apostles. We'd blow those out with a little wind, like the Spirit, and I'd set the candles aside, and then I'd get those same sprinkles, or hundreds and thousands, and I'd sprinkle lots of them and have the children help me, sprinkle those all over those cupcakes and representing, it started with 120 believers, and then when the Spirit came, then there were 3,000 by the end of that day. And so all of those, the food as I'm telling it, as the children are involved, that just helps them remember that story and be there and experience it. And, of course, they can eat those cupcakes.
0: Well, I want to be part of that class.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have fun in children's class. But this is fun. This is good. But wow, this is deep. This is so significant. This day changed everything. When I teach children, I talk often about we see God the Father in the Old Testament. We see Jesus in the Gospels. But here in the book of Acts, we're going to learn a lot about the Spirit, all of these parts of God. And so this is a great book to study with children so that they can understand the fullness of God and His power. And that's what I want. I want to experience that before I teach it, as I'm teaching it, and for always.
0: And may God bless you as you speak into the lives of adults and children.
1: Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children.